Romans. Romans 13. And uh, hallelujah. Appreciate what's already been said in these great testimonies and how God does answer prayer and how God does talk to us. Praise the Lord. I, I know I've been preaching, seems like, just every other service or more. Just about how our overactive imaginations can kind of get the best of us. And I know. I have received the Lord that which also I have delivered. I have received it. I know how our minds work. And we can, uh, we got to reel them in. We've got to learn how to steer them. Got to learn how to put on the brakes. Got to learn how to drive that mind, Brother Christopher. Amen. Hallelujah. Or you get in a wreck. Praise the Lord. Romans 13, if you have it, say amen. Help us pray, church. We love you. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your help here today. God, we just surrender ourselves to you, Lord. It's so obvious to just look around and see the supernatural, Lord, and see what you're doing in us and in our lives, God. And we pray that you just continue to work. Talk to us today. Help us, God, to have an ear to hear what your spirit would say. God, we give you the glory. We give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Romans 13, verse 8. says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. God bless you. You can be seated. If you struggle with loving people, you struggle with being a child of God. And that is so important if you want to hear well done that you let God work on you. Let me ask you this. We, in verse 9, God is using the Apostle Paul to go back into the Old Testament with the camp commandments. And he lists several here. These commandments are specifically brought out because prior to this, most of the commandments that are not mentioned are about our loving God first. But he's addressing our relationship with people. Amen. And I've run across a lot of people that really felt like they were okay as long as they were okay with God. But they, they cannot allow themselves to realize that they are responsible for the relationships of their brothers and sisters and those around them as well if they're going to be right with God. You cannot just say, oh, I'm holy and I love Jesus more than anything and uh, not have a good relationship with your neighbor. Praise the Lord. And so these commandments that are listed here are about our relationship with people. Do you remember the first time, maybe some of you in Sunday school, maybe later on in life, maybe some of you before you were ever a Christian, you heard about the Ten Commandments. You heard them listed. Some of us in Sunday school memorized them. And um, what you thought about those commandments. 
I know that many times the place of the Ten Commandments in the life of a Christian is misunderstood. It really is. And I know politics really has something to do with that. You know, the, the idea that someone is trying to take God out of the, 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 the uh, public eye and to remove the Ten Commandments from courthouses and things gets people upset. And I understand that. But trying to keep the Ten Commandments is not what being a child of God is about. You run into people all the time who don't know God personally. And you ask them, hey, do you think you're a Christian? Do you believe you're going to go to heaven? Well, I try my best to keep the commandments. Praise God. And by that they mean the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments were really just a part of a greater Old Testament covenant that were 613 commandments. And if you would read your New Testament like Brother Christopher advised, and I agree with that, it's good advice. I think he might have got that from somebody. And now he's passing it on. That when you read your New Testament, praise God, you're going to find out there were people that were following Paul around, saying, unless you keep the law of Moses, you're not a Christian. And Paul had to even talk to Peter about it and say, who keeps the law and does not sin and does not have guilt? See, it's not about keeping commandments because... The book of Galatians tells us that the law was given to us as a schoolmaster or a teacher. What does the law teach us? It teaches us, if we really pay attention, that we're lost and need a Savior. That we're all, it brings us all under guilt. And that we need Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, were saying, hey, we keep the law. And Jesus broke through their poor understanding of the commandments and says, Oh, so you tell everybody we don't kill anyone. Thou shalt not kill. I'm looking at your heart. And if you're angry at your brother without a cause, if you have hate, or you're guilty in the sight of a holy God. <gasps> what? Amen. He said... You're saying do not commit adultery, but I see in your heart. If you've got lust in your heart, you're guilty of it. Just because you haven't committed the act of that, you've got it in your heart. You need a heart change. He went on and on, and we could look at it how many times that somebody says, Well, I didn't really lie. Really? <laughs> Why does there have to be a qualifier on that? Can I trust you? Well, I, I mean, it was kind of really... If you, you know, squint your eyes real tight and don't look real close, maybe out of the side of your eye, it wasn't a lie. It was, no, hallelujah, if there's truth in the inward parts of your life. Amen. See, most people don't realize that the, the Ten Commandments really were a mirror for humanity to say, you know what, I'm going to try really hard, but I'm going to fall short of that. And you trying to be righteous doesn't get you saved. You trying to follow laws and rules isn't what a Christian is. Jesus came and said, you must be born again. We look to God and we look at his laws and we look and say, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. 
You know, I've heard people talk about that rich young ruler and Jesus comes to him. Well, he comes to Jesus and says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He said, have you kept the law? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Has he really? Praise God. You know what I believe Jesus was doing? He was bringing that idea of the old covenant, the Old Testament law, to be a mirror. What do you see in that mirror? Oh, I see a fine, upstanding citizen. I'm doing so good. I've followed it ever since I was little. I followed the commandments. I obeyed my mother and father since I was little. I honored them. I never, I, I never stole. I never lied. I never. Oh, you did. Well, you must be close to perfect. You might as well just sell everything you have and come follow me. And he got sorrowful. <laughs> See, what he was dealing with there was not this one thing you lack and you're going to be lost if you don't just give it all to God. But he was saying, you know what? You got self-righteousness in you. Because if you look at those commandments and realize that's supposed to teach you that you need Jesus. Amen. They are there to prove that we need a Savior. That if we will look to the Word of God and recognize I'm lost and I can't save myself. Oh, I hear a lot of people tell me, oh, all the religions teach about the same thing. Being nice and being kind. And they're all the same. Christianity is no different. Oh, I beg to differ. Christianity is completely different. Because what the Koran may say that you have to obey, what uh, Buddha may have said you have to try to live, to try to transcend this world and its suffering, what uh, the Hindu scriptures, the Vedas might tell you that you have to do to try to gain karma, to earn a better life. Jesus said, you're lost and you need a Savior. Put your confidence in me and I'll change your life, change your heart, make you a new creation in me. Amen. Being good to your neighbor, being a good person, sure, that's the same in any culture. But this Bible doesn't teach try to keep commandments and be a good person. It teaches you must be born again. Repent of your sins. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of those sins, and you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Give Him glory. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm going to get to my sermon in a bit. When I learned the commandments, I don't know how many of you had a similar experience. Some of you might be saying, well, I don't really know them very well. That's okay. You, uh, some of you may be like me. You learned them and saw them. Uh, and when you get down to the end of them, it just, for a long time, many years, I think, I feel like there's just one there that you're kind of like, okay, all right. Um, I get that we shouldn't be killing anybody, right? Seems to be a no-brainer. There's only going to be ten, so these ought to make a lot of sense. You know, don't uh, don't lie, don't bear false witness. You know, don't don't uh, don't steal anything. Amen. Don't commit adultery. These all seem to be making sense, and then you get to the end of it, and you hear, "Thou shalt not covet." Anybody ever look at that and say? Okay, uh, doesn't seem to be in the same level as killing and committing adultery and stealing and lying. What is thou shalt not covet? Why is that so important? And what does it even mean? Let's, uh, let's turn to something Jesus said in Luke, the 12th chapter. Thou shalt not covet. Ever look at that and just kind of 
kind of breeze over it and say, okay, then. Uh, I want to talk about this for a little while. Luke 12, verse 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. When Jesus said this, it was in response of a man that had a very real situation on his hands. Their parents uh, uh, had died. And he comes to Jesus pretty worked up and says, you need to talk to my brother and get this will all straightened out. That I can get what belongs to me because it's not fair. And Jesus said, beware. Beware when things are more important to you than people. Beware when possessions are more important than your soul. You might say, brother, that's, uh, that's not very common. I'll tell you, it's about as common as any other of these, and just as deadly as any of these other commandments as well. I know there's great imbalance. It makes it very difficult even for some to, to receive preaching about it, that the idea of money is just so just out of balance in churches a lot of times. Amen? You've got, of course, what we have to deal with, uh, the mega churches that are uh, that have rock stars for ministry and and uh, jets to get them from here to there and and, and boast and brag publicly about how uh, how just crazy they're, they're they paid money for chandeliers more than most of our houses and think that's just great and and say if you keep sending me that money you can have a jet too maybe but but. Uh, and as much as that turns a lot of people off, there's a lot of people that are motivated by that to send them that money. Apparently. There's a lot of people that that gets into their heart, that in their, maybe in desperate times, sadly, that's the evil thing of it. Somebody who's just down to their last dollar and gets a promise that they don't know what they can do. Maybe if I just sow into their ministry and they send me some blessed oil to anoint my bank account with, and maybe then I can be rich too. And, and there's no message of repentance. Hello? No message that sin is going to send you to hell. Amen. But, you know, if, if uh, we can get you out of a jam and get you on the fast track to luxury... If you'll just go ahead and and send me that. And that's uh, so evil. So evil. The Bible talks about people that would make merchandise of you. Amen. And and it makes it difficult. I met a fr- I have a friend that, uh, a mutual friend, Brother Brian, that we talked to, Aaron. And, and uh, he sat down with me and, and we talked about some of this that's in the world, uh, the, the ministries that are just obviously, just so obvious. It's, uh, you would think most people would say, that's, that's just a scandal and I see it a mile away. And, but they don't. They don't. They, because covetousness is not just in that ministry, but also in people that see God as a quick way to get rich. It's sad. You know, we, wanna, we, we help people. We, we help those that are down and out, but there's a lot of times I've had, I had a young man recently just shut me down, cut me off, uh, 
hang up and, and block my because I said, you know, we'll help you any way we can, but, you know, it's not about just paying all these bills that you got up. Why don't you come to church and sit down? Let's talk about how you got there. And this was not just a once time conversation. Said, you are no church. Click. You know, people see that. You know, this is where I get money. Hey, we help people. We're, we're not going to let you go hungry. We're not going to leave you out in the streets. But uh, people think that that's what the church is about. Get me money or get me rich. And so that turns people off. There's a lot. I, I understand. It turns a lot of people off. So anybody with sense, it turns off, I guess. But there is another side that, that is imbalanced as well. There are so many people that think if you're going to really be a Christian and be like Jesus, you ought to be just living on the streets and not have any possessions and give up everything and every penny you have to have. And I'll tell you something, that's just as wrong scripturally. This Bible teaches, does anybody understand that? Amen. If you ought to believe it, you came in a pretty nice car. You know, God's going to bless you. And, and, And it's not money that is the root of all evil. But it is a love of money. And that is what covetousness really is. And it slips in a lot of times. It's not the, the idea that you ought to just hate possessions and hate that, that everything that you, you can't own anything nice and you can't have anything at all or, 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 or you're just money hungry is, is foolishness. If you've got a nice home for your family, a nice vehicle to take them somewhere, God's blessed you with that. Give Him glory for it. Amen. God's so good. Amen. It's not Jesus' teaching that, that tells us that we have to take a vow of poverty. That's maybe some Roman Catholics and Buddhists in general that have this idea that, that it's just uh, so carnal. To, to I'm telling you, this Bible tells us that God will bless you. But where your heart is, where your treasure is, rather, that's where your heart's going to be. And there is, there is, an unhealthy focus on material possessions often that I believe more than ever before gives covetousness a rightful place next to lying and stealing and killing and committing adultery. Amen. Look what it says in Colossians 3. I'm not going to give you my, the title of my message quite yet. Colossians 3 says mortify. That means to kill that, to crucify. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Sometimes it's just as simple. It's like a brother was saying tonight, just knock it off. Right? Mortify it. He doesn't say work through it, figure out how it started, figure out why this is such an issue. Just mortify it. Fornication. Uncleanness. Inordinate affection. Evil concupiscence. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Can I tell you we are living in a day that I am seeing people's money their possessions, so much more important than what's really of value. Amen. I, I've, got to, I, I've got to work overtime. I, I've got to have a second income in my family just so I can afford my stuff. Amen. 
It keeps me away from my children. Keeps my marriage in tension over all the bills. But I gotta have that truck. I've gotta have that boat. I've gotta have a, a place to live that's so much nicer than everybody else's. Are you hearing me? That stuff. Praise God that I, I've got to spend big money to, to, to let my children be at daycare so I can work more hours to keep my stuff. That my children are, 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 are in danger of being molested, danger of being sick all the time, in danger that I won't see their first step, hear their first words, but i got to have my stuff. Amen. Marriage is struggling because one of the greatest tensions that will ever be on a relationship is going to be financial tension. You say, I can't, I can't afford not to have another job. I can't afford not to have, because I got it. Why? Why? Because I got to have. I got to have. I hear a lot of, oh, in a day like today, you can't survive. Oh, yeah. Maybe let's look at your toys. Maybe let's look at what's really important to you. Go work my life away. Man, I knew a brother here for a while that came for a little while years ago. And I'll talk about, man, I got, I got these investments. And I got this money. And I, I mean, this guy was, was obsessed with it. He, he could name all the companies he invested in alphabetical order right off the top of his head. About 20 of them. Never got to spend a penny of it. Amen. You know what it says in Luke, the 12th chapter, there's a man, he was doing good. His farm was doing great. He had, he had so much surplus that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save some of that. That's not evil. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. He had a good year and he said, I'm going to put some away for, for tough times. And then after a while, he said, you know what? Just eat, drink and be merry. Cause I, and he said, take rest of my soul. And Jesus said, God said, I'm this fool, thou fool. This night thy soul has been required of thee. When whose, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Don't get too connected with anything you got. Somebody's going to sell at a yard sale. Amen. They're going to dig through your stuff and say, why did they ever think that was nice? Maybe we can get a quarter for it. Amen. Don't get mad. I've been a part of those those I, I early on man i've helped clean out people say oh we're we're grieving cause cause of grandpa grieving cause of grandma or mom or dad and and i'm not taking anything away from that but but you know what that stuff has got to be dealt with thank god thank god for your stuff thank god for your blessings but if that's where your treasure is amen he said thou fool because he was a fool this is the definition this night Thy soul shall be required. Who shall those things be that thou hast provided? So is he, listen, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. When your riches are in your stuff, you don't care about your brother, your, the church. You don't care about your brother or sister. You don't care about revival. You don't care about your family. But, oh, you want that reputation. Look at what I own. God help us. Amen. Bible talks about woe to those that are at ease in Zion. You care more about things. Help us, Lord. Covetousness, Colossians says, is idolatry. You're looking at things. You say, hey, listen, you're not hearing me say, quit your job, things don't matter. 
This Bible teaches to be responsible. And if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what it says. It's not saying you shouldn't have a place to stay and, and, and food to eat. God's going to provide that. And he says you should work for that. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord. But listen, when things and more things and never being content, godliness with contentment is great gain. You know this world is making merchandise of people. You can't look at anything and it's not trying to sell you something. Amen. You say, well, I don't pay attention to those commercials. It's in the, in the entertainment. It's in the sports. It's in there. Everything. They're just trying to make you feel uncomfortable. You don't have enough. You can't be content. I'll tell you, one of the greatest things I've got in Jesus is enough. Because I just, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm not worried. Somebody has more than me. God bless them. I'm excited for you. Amen. Sometimes somebody has more than me and I feel sorry for them. That looks like a lot of responsibility, a lot of worry about something I don't need to worry about because I got more important things in my heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't need an estate. I like a little yard that's easy to mow. Amen. Because it gives me more time to be with my friends and my family and my God. Amen. I, I don't need a whole lot of things that are going to just take more and more of my life. You're spending your life for things that don't matter. You're spending the only time you have with loved ones and family, time you can spend getting closer to God and doing something for God, just trying to pay for things. That's idolatry. I, I never. I was already had this together last night. Was pretty much finishing touches. I opened up my Bible to Matthew twenty six. Did not imagine, really think at all about how this would fit in. And I read just one of the, to me, just one of the most touching stories in my Bible of. The woman that anoints Jesus' feet. She doesn't care about anybody else. She doesn't care what anybody's saying. Oh, they were saying. There was just a stench in the room. You say, well, I thought there was ointment in the room. Self-righteousness, pride, sitting there thinking they're better than this pathetic woman that she didn't care. She didn't care at all. Disciples saw it. You hear that? Say the Pharisees, uh-uh. Sadducees, Fa- the the disciples saw it, had indignation. They're upset. To what purpose is this waste? Idolatry. This ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Later on, it talks about Judas. He was the treasurer and he held the bag. He didn't care about the poor. Their money was more important than the expression of love. The, 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 the cost of that, they're, they're, they're figuring out how much this could have been sold for and how much money could have been made off of this rather than look at that beautiful expression of worship. It affects you when you start sizing people up how they're dressed in church. It affects you how you start sizing people up, what they have and what they do and how you... Hey, that's idolatry. You ought to care about Jesus. You ought to care about what He's thinking and be one with Him. You know what? You go on in that chapter, that same disciple that held the bag, 
That same disciple that was a treasurer. That same disciple that said this was waste. Verse 14. He goes to chief priests and betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I'll get my money one way or another. If I have to hand him over to be crucified. Covetousness. Covetousness. More of what I want. More of my, my status. More of my reputation. More, and more in the bank for me. When you see your value in stuff, your self-worth, you've been duped by a culture that is using you. That's all that is. Amen. You're no better. Amen. There are awesome people who are paupers. There are people with, with integrity that you can trust, that love God and can be a friend. When you put the value of, uh, of your life on the things you got in the name brand on this or that, you have been used by people that are making money off of you. That's idolatry. People don't care about quality, just so it has a name brand on it. I'm not against a name brand if it is quality. I'm not talking about that, but that status is idolatry. Yes, it is. There are some things you pay for, you get what you pay for. I don't want to get on that. I'm not saying, don't hear something I'm not saying. Amen. But when you are weighing your value, amen, praise God. You're going to stand in heaven one day and stand in judgment one day and see people like that widow woman that only gave those two mites in the treasury. You're going to see those people celebrated. Those people God's rejoicing over and say, they weren't anything. Who were they? That's idolatry. Hebrews 13. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, verse 5. says, let your conversation be without covetousness. It's a good verse. I had some friends years ago, they talk about, they use a term. Say that they, they always have a poor mouth. Always talking. They're always just trying to say something. To say, uh, hoping somebody hand, give them a handout. That's not a child of God. We're blessed. If you have a need, you ask and we're going to help you. Amen. But this always, always, always is like, I can, I can, and, and I don't have enough. I will tell you something. Don't let your co- conversation be with covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. See, here's the key that God is saying. Your soul is so much more than your possessions. And when you can say, I've got God, he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. I'm rich. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. If if my things are taken from me today, I'll still be blessed tonight and give God glory. Amen. Hallelujah. There's nothing that I've got that if I lost it today, I wouldn't be here praising God tonight. Amen. Because I know what value is. I'm thankful for things. But Job still worshiped God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. Well, we could close right there, but I want to make a point. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to tell you the title of my message. Don't get up and walk out until I get a chance to read my next verse. I started 
yesterday, sometime when I started working through this, and my title was, Thou Shalt Not Covet. But I changed it. And I'm going to preach to you a message today. And I'm going to title it, Thou Shalt Covet. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. But covet. What? You just, you just tore up covetousness up one side and down the other. Yep, they, we oughtn't be all about possessions and wealth and greed and, and, and thinking that having our treasure right here in this earth. But there's some things you ought to covet. You, covet earnestly the best gifts. What are we talking about? We're talking about the spiritual gifts of God that God, you ought to want more than anything else, value more than anything else, the move of God, the work of God, God using you to be a blessing and a help. That's where your coveting ought to be. Not in possessions, not in material wealth, but in spiritual wealth. Amen. Covet earnestly the best gifts. You know what the best gifts are. Did you ever hear anybody talk about that? I've heard preachers discuss, oh, well, this is why tongues isn't as important as this, and this is why healing is probably, and maybe they mean this, and maybe mean... You know, if you read this chapter and read it in context with chapter 13 and 14, you're going to find out the best gifts are the ones that are the biggest blessing to the people that are there at that time. You know what? The gift of healing is important. If somebody's sick, God wants to heal you. Amen. You know when prophecy is important? When there's somebody that needs to hear a word from God is there. It's not the one that blesses you. It's the one that blesses others. That's the greatest gift. And he said, covet them earnestly. Try to be a blessing. Try to get as much spiritual wealth as you can and use it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39, says it again this way. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. He uses this word over and over again, to covet. It means I want, I desire, I put value not on the material, not on the temporary, but the spiritual things of my life. Covet an anointing. Covet the power of God. Covet victory over your flesh. Covet the Spirit of God working in you more than anything else. And see how God blesses you abundantly. Covet to be a spiritual blessing to others. Hallelujah. Paul knew what he was doing, throwing that word in there. Oh, it's going to catch their attention here. I've done all, all, lived all my life trying not to covet this and want more than is needful for me and, and, and put an unhealthy value on things that are temporary, things that have no meaning, to put my value on my family and my friends and my, my walk with God above everything. And Paul tells this church, you covet spiritual gifts. Covet the move of God in your life. Covet a, a heart and a life that is, that is rich in the Spirit of God. That's what we ought to be seeking more than anything else. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are seeing more and more this idea that is spoken about in the book of Revelation. God moves in a service. God moves with power and people are Unmoved. Because they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. 
Spirit of God moves in a message and digs down deep into where we're living and challenges us and we leave and say, eh, oh well. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We've never been fed better, never had more luxuries in our life. Thank God for it. But Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. You look around you, you don't know how long you're going to have with the people that are there. And it's so easy to just be so busy, so quick to just run and get and do these things that just... Where's the value? What about the people in your life that you hardly know? What about a walk with God that that you can seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? He said all these things will be added unto you. He said all this world is running after so many things, but what about what about your walk with God? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, this altar is open. Thank God for these obeying God. Thank God. Thank God. Talk to Jesus. So bound, you couldn't 
yes, couldn't obey God if you wanted to. Because there's so much of those chains on your life that but God, God will meet your needs. God will cause you to be responsible with what you have. Be a good steward of what you have. But all more than anything, seek God. Seek God. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Seek the riches. He told the Laodicean church, buy gold of me. It's been tried in the fire. There's gold in living for God. There's riches that the world doesn't give and the world can't take away. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Aren't you so glad for the riches you have in God? Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. God, we thank you for your presence here today. Everything has just been so good to be in your presence. God, thank you for this word that you've given us. Help us to seek you first. Your righteousness, God, help us, I pray, to, Lord, just to follow you. Lord, bless each one, I pray, God, keep us in your care. Lead us, God, shine your light through us, God, and just work, Lord, work, work powerfully in this last day. Lord, we give you the glory, we give you the thanks. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Oh, give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus.